What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of Trinity Music, a hip-hop podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and today we are coming to you with a special episode of the podcast. Before I go any further, please go on and subscribe to the YouTube channel where we've started putting out a lot of video content with a lot more coming in the new year. Now, Christian and I are currently preparing for a year-end recording, which will run over the next two episodes. So in the meantime, we didn't want to leave you hanging for a week. So in this episode, we're going to be airing parts of our practice recordings that we did back in July that we've dubbed The Lost Tapes. In this episode, you hear us talk about Logic's No Pressure, J. Cole's Lewis Street, and Polo G's The Goat. Now, full disclosure, being that these were our practice episodes way back in July, the discussion is definitely less fine-tuned than what you've potentially become accustomed to over the last couple months, and of course, Adam is on these episodes of the podcast. So, without any more starling, here are The Lost Tapes. This is uh, possibly final final album. It's uh, the sequel to Under Pressure. No pressure. It's kind of play on words there, which Under Pressure ends up being my personal favorite album to date from Logic, and uh, I think it really cemented his place in the rap game. So it's it's something a lot of people wanted to see happen from the album in general. I saw lots of influences from Kanye, Outkast, obviously Eminem. There's a little bit of Drake and Cole. Overall, I would say it's a good album. There's, It's not perfect by any means, and we'll get into that at some point. What, what about you, Christian? I'll start off by saying I wasn't really expecting something out of the uh, Under Pressure style. I was actually sort of expecting to hear a Bobby Tarantino kind of beat to, at the same time. It's like one of the multiple observations I make with Logic is his album covers kind of define the music for me. I, I look at it, and it kind of just shines an image of what's to come. So... I don't know. It's a taste. It's like when I'm looking at, say, Frank Sinatra versus Bobby Tarantino, I already know what I'm expecting. For me, the album, and I, I was pleasantly surprised by it. And I, I do wonder if part of it is the lower expectations I had, considering his last couple of releases. And then also the immediate nostalgia you feel by, like you said, Adam, just obviously the title of the record. The cover also is a bit of a play on the under pressure cover where it's just him levitating. So he can literally has no pressure. And obviously the nostalgic sound that really harkens back to Under Pressure also made you really put you back in that mindset. So the combination of putting too much pressure on this record per se, and then also the nostalgic sound really helped on my first listen on Friday. And I think over the weekend, I definitely started to enjoy the album more for its absence of flaws rather than its qualities. One thing that Krishna touched on before is that he was going into this, I don't know, hoping or expecting a Bobby Tarantino album. And I, I think a lot of people would go for that because that's the, his mixtapes have always seemed to perform better than his albums. I don't know if it's the, the freedom that he feels that he can do with them or, or what, but they always end up being more popular, I would say. It, it seems like that, that's what the general audience would definitely want. I think the reason why I, I suggested that was because I'm jumping from Confessions of a Dangerous Mind into no pressure and it's just a big throw off i wasn't expecting this version of him but you still sink in deep and get to thoroughly enjoy it because it is a sound that logic has done in the past like you said and i'm not against it whatsoever in fact i i really did enjoy the album i would say the only bobby tarantino sound we really get on this album is on perfect produced by six as most of this record is on on perfect i find that it's a very short song and it's kind of a little bit halfway through the album and it puts a bit of a jolt in the record which uh, i appreciate considering the nostalgic sound and the jazzy rap vibes we had going for the first few tracks beyond that i will say logics again like i mentioned earlier i think 
there were so many things to pick apart on Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and Supermarket, and maybe to a, to an extent the Young Sinatra 4 album as well, where he would have these poorly crafted lines and older sounds that may not have done so well. And I find just by him not making mistakes, it kind of made me think that the album was really good. And, and, I, and I do think the record is good. But I was trying to listen the last couple of days and what parts of the album do I really enjoy rather than what am I just happy about that he doesn't screw up. I just wanted to agree with you on the point where you said like Perfect is the one song that kind of just stood out like a sore thumb. And it really did because you said it. It was short kind of an odd beat i wasn't expecting it because it's halfway through the album right i guess you could say an interlude just to touch on uh, logic's performance in the album i i thought especially you get at the beginning it's a good intro it's a standard there's no real surprises in anything it's what you would come to expect from from him the only thing i really didn't enjoy is and i don't know i'm, I'm kind of faltering on it I'm, I'm jumping back and forth i think that he he, the continual use of the Cortana assistant or narrator, whatever it is, that just keeps spitting facts. It, it was a little much on this project compared to the others where it's just like a little tidbit. Now it seems like it was on almost every song, something like that. What I want to say is when I do hear the album and I listen from beginning to end, I get this feeling like there is no pressure. It's the flow, like he's got nothing to lose. He just gets into a situation and makes do with it. So he did state he was retiring so maybe that was a way of him releasing all that that pressure that expectation that he wanted to get out of the album yeah so the no pressure aspect of it all i think logic has definitely gotten to a point in his life where he no longer he's at least trying not to care about what other people are saying about how his records have been the past couple of years so on that i think there are two like there are two themes to this record one is his new priorities in life, as he mentions multiple times about his son. And the other is, of course, being at peace with his criticism that he's faced mostly since the release of Everybody back in 2017. These two themes are really combined through the record and then they, they come and go. And there are moments where he sways away from that, where he raps for fun in a way. And he does mention that on Dark Places at one point and maybe it was no longer fun to rap. So while there are elements of logic rapping about not caring about what other people feel and this weight being lifted off his shoulder. And then there's the part of him discussing his new life and fatherhood. And then there's parts where he just tries to rap and be normal again. And I think the only weak parts of the album were when he just try he raps for fun. And it's it's too bad that that is that those are the downfall the tracks of the record because there are so many great moments. And even those songs, I think I'm speaking more specifically about songs like a to Z and dad bod where and even open mic to an extent where he's just rapping for the hell of it. But I find that it distracts a little bit from what no pressure maybe it was supposed to be. Just to say, it does seem like he really did put his heart into this album though, but not saying he hasn't done it in the past, quite the opposite. This being his last piece of work, it had to have some deeper meaning. So he even mentions it in his Twitch stream that the project was supposed to be a lyrical work of art so him i guess reverting to the roots of his style which would be lyricism mixed with old school hip-hop if you were to i guess go back and touch base on the on the point where you said um he's kind of just rapping for fun 
like on dad bod i'm not disliking the song it's a fun song it's simple it's kind of down to the point he's rapping about his life he's a married man chilling living but it's just i guess you could say boring in a sense if you actually watch the music video for it it gives more life to it it's great because you just see logic as a father figure and it's a different image of him so just what Krishna just touched on as far as this being a lyrical masterpiece album, I don't know if I can agree with that. I, I believe maybe Logic thinks that, but uh, he, he even says it in the album that uh, he wrote this album in a week and it, they took a year to master it or whatever the process may be. And I think it shows, like you said, A to Z has to be one of the corniest songs on the album with these like medium tier rhymes that he ends off with like these old he, he pulls back some old songs and and he pulls those and and yeah it makes the the new song sound better but it was just a total disappointment in that aspect it's not uncommon for artists to write or create an album really quickly and write it really quickly back in the day we had the the slaughterhouse the first slaughterhouse album came out i think they recorded that in four days and then the what a time to be alive with drake and future i think took six days for them to record so it's not uncommon. Of I mean, I'll say maybe if we're discounting the Drake and Future one there, because maybe that's less of a lyrical miracle album. But the Slaughterhouse album, I think, is definitely up there in terms of writing. Yep, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. So I just want to get into a bit of his, a bit more of his performance here, because I feel like I've been a little too negative negative here to start. He does some really cool things here with ref, referring back to Under Pressure and even the incredible true story that he does on the, the second half of Soulful Two. Specifically on Soul Food, I really liked how he flipped the lines from the original, from the Under Pressure album, where he says, Goddamn, conversations with legends, crazy how one day your idols can turn into your brethren. Now he turns it into, Goddamn, conversations with people, crazy how one day these legends forget that they are equal. So I thought that was really cool. And there are, there are other moments here where he borrows similar flows, similar rhyme patterns that he had from the Under Pressure record. So I thought that was a nice touch. Of course, the Soul Food sample itself. It's the based off the original, which I don't know if you guys caught it on the, the Twitch stream. He said that the, so the Soul Food 2 beat is actually the original beat, but they couldn't get the sample cleared in time. So they had to switch up the beat a little bit for the original. But six years later, we fast forward and they actually got the sample cleared. So that's why they, the beats are slightly different. So it's kind of a fun little tidbit on that. Yeah, that, I did not know that, but that that makes a lot of sense. And it did sound good, so I can understand why they would want to bring this back and it is the sequel so that makes a lot of sense and since we're talking about things we did enjoy one of my favorite songs at least sonically and how it came off was heard him say which is clearly an ode to kanye and the fact that in the title and the uh, the beat being very similar and i thought that was definitely a really nice touch that he had uh since we're talking about the songs themselves i have to say for gp4 i loved hearing elevators fantastic song the sample blew my mind and he, he he killed it. It was it was great. Every minute of it, I really did enjoy. Then <laughs> he uh, makes a reference to the video game Metal Gear Solid in No Pressure, where you hear Snake talking in the beginning, and that was also great. And the my probably my favorite track on this entire album, Man I Is. It could only make me think of one thing, and that's Indica Badu. It's so much similarity in the style of the beat. Also, the sample once again from Outcast. I would have thought that. Six would have co-produced this with No ID on the track since No ID did do the first sample for um, Elevators. But in fact, he's not even on the production for that track. So on the Outcast stuff, I think it's pretty clear that, and he's mentioned this in the past, and I don't, I think he mentions it a little bit on this album or the robot mentions it. 
a lot of his inspirations are you can tie them directly to Outcast, Kanye West, and obviously a tribe called Quest from the big the common jazz instrumentals we get on this record. So yeah, the Spodiotu Dopalicious horns were incredible to hear them a little bit sped up. That was a real nice touch. For elevators, Christian, I want to pitch this back to you. Did you find yourself and I I wonder if this is problematic because and this ha- is not just a logic only issue but he's definitely faced this in the past and ironically this has happened in the past with different people sampling outcast music i can think back to born sinner where j cole sampled the real art of storytelling where and now obviously logic does it with elevators where when you hear the sample i actually just want to go back and listen to the outcast record i actually don't want to listen to logic's version of elevators 100 percent agreed i i actually went back and listened to it afterwards so i i don't know if that's that's problematic like there's something hip-hop is built off of sampling it's always going to be part of the game but i think you have to do something a little bit different from it and again this isn't the worst example of just completely taking another beat and using it to yourself there are obviously things in this record that he does differently like i mean for instance like adam you mentioned heard him say I honestly can't tell if the drums from this song are from Kanye's Heard Him Say or from Kanye's Good Morning off the Graduation album because they honestly both sound the same. That I found was a really nice touch on a Kanye song. Like, yeah, it has it has the same sentiment that Kanye song had and it has extremely similar drum pattern, although I don't think it is formally credited anywhere. So that makes me believe it's a pretty common drum pattern and most people use it. But the fact that I associate it immediately with two Kanye West songs is kind of neat. I actually have a question for both of you guys. Now, Dark Places, which is also another fantastic track. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the beat or the way he raps on the song, but it feels like a Drake-influenced song. It, it sounds like it came right off of uh, Nothing Was The Same. Can you guys shine a light on this? Did you hear what I hear? Well, hmm, that's interesting. Dark Places sounding like Drake. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I mean, that the sample there at the end where I have it written down here, who who was the sample? But regardless, that last minute there of the sample, I don't I feel like it's something Drake would not totally do. But and in terms of being that vulnerable and that open, Drake has given us that in some instances, but not in all. And I don't think Drake's ever been so open about the criticism he faces from music critics and from fans. Often Drake's introspective songs are much more self-contained and about his love life or his family but I, I can see the i can see the connection there so just to continue on on the production a bit it's interesting because on under pressure while no id didn't produce any tracks he was an executive producer and i often find like the executive producer is an overrated thing like you'll see that like Birdman would be executive producer on a Drake album when you know he hadn't really listened to it. Or you'd have you know Eminem and Dr. Dre as executive producers on some of the early 50 Cent albums when maybe they were they were actually involved in the, the making of the music during Get Rich or Die Trying. But as the albums went on, they probably had less and less influence. Here I find No Idea as an executive producer really helped out. And obviously he's a co-producer on a few songs. But I thought in general, him being on the record along with Six's production really made this sound really nice. I definitely see what you're talking about as far as uh, not knowing what exactly defines an executive producer. I think it, it's a term that's generally used, kind of like a, a PA in, in a lot of ways. But I'm sure I'm sure they do a lot. And in this, I would say this probably sounds like uh, Logic's best produced album sonically, not necessarily lyrically, but production-wise. I, I would definitely say that. Yeah. So, do you guys think Logic's actually going to retire after this? So he he had mentioned 
that well, the news came out last week that he had signed a seven figure deal with Twitch and he obviously streamed the album, debuted the album uh, last uh, Thursday night and Friday morning. So it seems like, and if you've watched the Twitch video, you see he gets quite emotional at the end and he's very ready. And it seems like he's very accepting that this is his final record. What do you guys think about that? If it's the end of Logic, then so be it. It was a great run. Can't say we'll tarnish his image as a rapper. Now we're just going to know him as a dad. But I do feel like he will come back maybe as a feature, maybe a few singles. But I don't see it being a full-time endeavor just because if he is that serious about, you know, settling down and focusing on family, there are other rappers who have done that too. But it doesn't mean they're completely out of the game. There's going to be some itch that's going to come back to Logic. And I think that's where we might see him shine again. Yeah, much like what you guys are saying, I'm not 100% sure if this is Logic's full retirement. But... The way I look at it, I think Logic is retiring the same way Nicki Minaj says she is. Whether neither of them are exactly in the prime of their careers, they they have a lot of, especially Logic. He's been he's become this corny rapper in a lot of ways for the new age, and uh, he's constantly getting trolled online and bombarded in his comments about these things. And I think one of the reasons has to definitely be that he just wants to step away, clear his mind, and maybe he'll come back. Like you said, maybe he'll do features. I think he's touched on that. And production-wise, I think that's definitely, he's going to be doing more producing, something along those lines. I don't think we'll never see Logic again. I think he has his record label, so he'll be able to start grooming artists. I'm sure we'll see him featured on there. I also think he just needs a break. And I think in a weird way, with the pandemic going on right now, the fact that he has no pressure to tour kind of helps him in that way. And he has a newborn son. So it's kind of a forced vacation in a way. I do think eventually we'll get another solo album from him, or maybe he'll do one of these collaboration record, either with a producer or another rapper. Although it would be hard to see him work with someone other than six. So from one artist who is talking about retirement to another, Jay Cole this past week released two songs off of his upcoming album, The Fall Off. Christian, what'd you think? Okay, so when I decided to listen to the two song release, I think it was 6.45 a.m., I'm on my way to work. I wasn't expecting really anything. I, I didn't know what to expect. So I started playing it in my car and I immediately loved it. Now, the production of the songs are sick. The beats, you, you know how we could just justify a song as being something you could listen to in a vehicle or you could sit, sit down and listen to it as more than just a song, uh, almost like a story. Well, this hit it on both parts for me. I could bump this in my car. Or oh, I could listen to, it, uh, listen to it in my headphones and really appreciate every single minute that's been put into it. Do you have a preferred track between The Climb Back and Lion King on Ice? Definitely The Climb Back. Interesting. What do you think, Adam? I would definitely go Lion King on Ice as far as replay value. It's much, it's a catchier song. It's uh, It's got re- good replay value and it's not as dark as The Climb Back. But content-wise, The Climb Back definitely was my, my favorite of the two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, The Climb Back being over five minutes long, I find... He really had a lot more of a data dump on that. And in terms of the sound of the song, it, I couldn't point it exactly to what it sounded like in terms of J. Cole discography. It doesn't totally sound like Friday Night Lights. That album has is a lot more laid back than I previously remembered. There are those handful of songs on 2014 Forest Hills Drive, like A Tale of Two Cities and Firing Squad. So it sounds a little bit by, by, like that, but even that, those songs don't sound as edgy at least the production doesn't sound as edgy as it does on this one and there are i find there there are some moments on this record where he really just comes across and just like takes shots at people i found like 
kind of felt a little bad for the BT Hip Hop Awards there, where he kind of caught a stray there where he says, I'm sending a warning. A problem with me is like the BT Hip Hop Awards. I'm starting to see you don't want it. Which, I mean, and for anyone who's trying to keep up with the BT Hip Hop Awards these past couple of years, like you'll understand why that thing is kind of, at one point, I think it was supposed to matter, but as years have gone on, it's just kind of another date on the schedule. So that moment there, it just points to Cole's aggressiveness throughout the entirety of the song. And I find it was almost weird to hear J. Cole not rap without a purpose, but the fact that his last two albums have been so focused between For Your Eyes Only and KOD, for him to just, on something that is his own, J. Cole on features is another story, but when J. Cole is on his own record, he usually speaks on a purpose. And For Your Eyes Only and KOD did that. Whereas this, again, the fact that it's been linked to his upcoming album, it was a weird feeling for me to just hear J. Cole having braggadocious raps in his songs. It did inspire me to go back and listen to KOD, but I must admit it didn't fit the same profile. Although there's a song 1985 intro to the fall off, I had to, you know, I had to just go back and listen to it. And a fun fact, if you do listen to uh, Lewis Street and you just continue to let it play, this is on Spotify that I noticed, it actually jumps into uh, 1985. Now, I don't know if that's not on purpose, but it's just a small little Easter egg there that I thought was interesting. I guess after listening to KOD, I did go even further back. And one of my favorite albums by J. Cole is 2014 Forest Hill uh, Drive. And I feel like, like Jordan said before, he did have some similarities on that album to, to the sound of Lewis Street. Uh, lyrically, the new songs, kind of a uh, less linear story kind of requiring me to de- dwell a little bit deeper under the meaning behind the words. And in terms of the sound, I mean, the, like I said, I just, I was, I loved it from the get go. Yeah. I, I definitely agree actually with both of you where you're saying this doesn't necessarily fit with Cole's back catalog of, uh, of music, but I don't either see it in a bad way. I kind of think of this is him growing as an artist, as, as he's been trying to do over the last few years. He obviously had Forest Hill Drive, which was his, his biggest album to date. So it's, it's hard to recover from that or once it recover, but continue from there. This is not like the sequel, just like in a movie. The, the second one is always never as good as the first, blah, 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 that kind of thing. But he, he's definitely getting into the right place. And on Lion King or Lion King on Ice, I found he's kind of going and he even references it being like young Simba Cole. So he's like pulling back. He's using like previous instances as his as his reference point. Yeah. So I was about to bring that same point up, Adam, on Lion King on Ice. He does revert literally when he says deep down inside, though, I still feel as broke as that kid who graduated from college. He literally has to reach back and feel like the kid that he was back in 2005. And earlier in the week, J. Cole penned an article in the Players' Tribune entitled The Audacity, where he spoke about his come up. And I mean, he compared a lot to his his tryouts when he was in for the college basketball team and how he felt like he was no longer had the the hunger after Forest Hills Drive. And a lot of what informed his the different songs he made since Forest Hills Drive have been less about being braggadocious and trying to be the best rapper and he started focusing a little bit more on the message and i think that's why we got for your eyes only in kod and then also in in that article he mentions two things that at that stage in 2015 and 2016 that he had regretted and that was not doing as many features with his peers and not having set up dreamville records in the way that he wanted to and i now seeing this these comments 
this week, it kind of makes sense with the the feature run he ran on the past couple of years, and also the Return of the Dreamers coming out last year, and then the Lux coming out this year. Like these are things we could see J Cole doing in real time, but it's interesting to see that it was because he felt like he had hit the top on 2014 Forest Hills Drive, and then he needed new things to challenge him, and that's when he speaks about for the fall off, which he's intending to be his last album. He needs to reach back and find that young Simba energy he had 10 years ago. I think your reference to the fall off is kind of what he says in uh, The Audacity, where he mentions, and I quote, uh, however, as I approach the summit of this mountain, I still find myself staring at that other one in the distance, wondering if I can climb. I, I think this has to do with just him and him achieving his goals and always trying to shoot further and further so that he doesn't hit that lump again, where he like kind of just went down and underground and didn't come out with anything. It wasn't feeling inspired. He, he wanted to, you know, discover something more. It's not too late for him. And in fact, there is another uh, line in the audacity that I, that I really enjoyed. I uh, quote, uh, I knew myself if I did in fact make the roster, I had no intentions of staying at the bottom of that pole. I've learned that a fundament, fundamental part of my anatomy is this. I have relentless drive. When I really want to achieve something, I dig deep and find the work ethic, the foresight, and the patience needed to make it happen. This truly spoke to me. I saw myself in these lines, and I'm pretty sure many people would. And that just goes to show, like, there's more to the image of J. Cole than what we know. And that's, to me, that'll that'll portray what the work that he's going to put into this next album really will be. So the production off of these two songs... Even if it's not the best of the best, who knows what's to come? It's all Cole. It's always been Cole. He says it in reference to the middle child. I'm dead in the middle of two generations. He's stuck in between two types of rap. And I just want to touch on one point. It's it's in the music as well as predominantly in the Audacity interview. Just the the status of Cole, where he's he's always someone to he's very determined when he has a goal, but when he achieves that goal, he's kind of stuck in this limbo. So obviously he had he's had great success in rap, and then he falls back and he doesn't know what to do. So he talks about he's like contemplating going back to playing basketball, or do I go even harder in rap and like achieve all these like ultimate goals that he had for himself? And I definitely see a lot of rappers who get stuck in this place where they aren't sure what the next move is, what direction to go in. It's hard because their life is so great. So to to pull these uh, parallels with with harsh times is definitely hard for a lot of artists to achieve. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of similar to what Logic has been doing. You know, once I mean, again, like you mentioned, a lot of these rappers, once they climb the mountaintop, it's like, well, what the hell do I rap about now? And I think the best rappers once they climb the mountain and they figure out their get their own inner peace, that's when they start focusing on greater problems in the world. And I think that's what we've seen with you know artists like Kendrick and Jay Z over these past couple of years. They have Jay Z has conquered the mountaintop long time ago, but it's once they start focusing on these more socially conscious, politically charged records, that is the the the, the next frontier after you have. Stop becoming the underdog. Once everyone is rooting for you and you have achieved success, and both in your professional and your personal life, this has happened a lot with Eminem. Once his personal life was going straight and narrow, it him too started kind of running out of things to rap about. And he's been charged up these past couple of years because people kept pissing him off. So that's helped him out. But again, eventually, most people will agree with what you're saying. And at that point, what do you rap about? So that's something that, yeah, J. Cole's, I think, did a good job in the last few years of moving off of his own happiness and his own successes 
start focusing on other things. And I don't think For Your Eyes Only or KOD or Fantastic Albums, there are definitely faults of them sonically. But generally, I think it's been really interesting to see his career evolve from the warm-up and Friday Night Lights all the way to Lewis Street. Polo G put out his debut album or mixtape, I Can Never Tell What's What Anymore, mm-hmm. Die a Legend, about a year ago. And then back in May, he dropped The Goat, his second album. I'll save my my one-liner on my review of this album in a second. Adam, what did you think? I, I enjoyed the album. I thought it was... He, he went deeply personal for, for someone to only be on their second album. And he's he's, he's 21 years old, so like... I, I know I wasn't that in tune with my emotions at 21. So for him to not only be in tune with that, but be so vulnerable and showing that to his to his audience, I thought that was really refreshing for for a, an artist of his caliber. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. What, what about you, Christian? I did think that there was thoughtful songwriting, kind of spiritual and emotional. There was the status quo flex of the expensive, luxurious lifestyle that was obviously going to be there. And as far as the music is concerned, I thoroughly enjoyed multiple songs actually but i did notice a lot of repetition the styles of beats started to seem dull and repetitive yeah so my my one line review of this album is that it's a sad gangster rap album i think it's about (laughs) i think that's the best way to describe this album because when you put it this way if you're just reading the lyrics you'd think this is some g unit level album and then if you listen to the beats you would question whether it's a rap album so it, it's this contrast and I, this happens throughout the album. And I think ultimately it's, it's probably it's downfall, the production, but if I want to just focus on Polo G right now. Like I thought his storytelling and his voice, which again, rapping kind of sounds easy to him. And that's not something that's, that's something that's actually quite rare. There are moments where, and maybe we'll get to this one uh, at a further date when we talk about, some artists when they're really in their prime, how just rapping to them sounds effortless. This doesn't—he doesn't sound effortless, but it sounds like the fact that he swings back and forth between rapping and singing. I can never really tell what he's doing. I find is really impressive. I kind of again, we'll get to the production because I do think that's probably one of the biggest downfalls of this album, unfortunately. But just in performance-wise, and I, I touched on this before, but a lot of mainstream rappers nowadays. It's all bravado. It's boasting. I'm the best. I've got this, blah, blah, blah. And that works. It's fun. It's fun to listen to. But the real artist, I think at the end of the day, even if it's not all they do, they have to have a deeply personal connection because that's what bonds listeners. And I think that's what he's he's toying with this idea. And I think maybe and maybe for you guys, he did it overboard. I think he did a good job. He, he had a bar, I think, uh, Pray to the Lord for Better Days. Felt he's skipping us. That's such like a personal, like he, he feels like God whatever religion anyone believes in, but like he feels like his God is like uh, ignoring him and their life is so terrible or he's discussing the feeling of needing to bring guns around constantly for security. I believe at one point he talks about how uh, a relative of his his was caught for drug dealing, like someone close, I think it was his sister. So it is a deeply personal album and I can respect that to, to a large degree. I think the ability to be so transparent and vulnerable with your audience is something that most artists, aspire to have if they ever get to that point and i think it's a good effort no, no matter what i mean lyrically i don't know if i have much input on it i do think that he kind of did the same thing on a lot of the tracks i did enjoy don't believe the hype heartless flex 
go stupid probably because of the production also behind them i'll just go into a little bit of detail i did enjoy hearing different piano beats that was pretty interesting some of the guitar in the background which gave weight to the music heartless which is uh, basically a mustard beat enjoyed it and uh flex with juice world again didn't feel like a polo g song in my opinion it was straight up a juice world beat and then the mike will production from uh, go stupid so a lot of different varieties in style but then at the same time it got bland because you would listen to songs like 21 and 33 and you'd say is this the same song or then i just blew my mo- my mind when i heard chinatown the quality just seemed lackluster and the compared to every other song on the album so christian did you think it was the production was like above average about average or was it lacking I honestly thought it was lacking, even though it had some decent producers on the album, something felt empty. It, there, there wasn't enough to to say that this was a good gangster rap album, as you would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, my, my biggest issue with the album is the, the monotony of the sound. The first four songs on the album are all have the same type of beat where there's there's he this man is in love with hi-hats, even though you can barely hear them. I did think that the electric guitar loop on Don't Believe the Hype was a nice touch, but the kick drum needed to be stronger. And I think that for me, that was something that is pretty consistent throughout the album where it didn't sound like he was using many 808s, but like the kick drum was just so faint where it bothered me. And you mentioned earlier that Mike will beat on Go Stupid, which I believe is co-produced by Tay Keith. That guy has some like Chicago drill sounded in and that's, so that's the fifth song on the album. And it just... Once that song comes on, it's like you're re-energized into the album. Like it's, and I find those Polo G's. I'm kind of upset that there's features on that record because I wanted to hear a second verse from him because I thought it sounded so well. Yeah, so I think the Go Stupid beat on uh, the the record really jumped out, and it almost it made the, the songs around it. Again, putting aside Polo G's performance, which I'll come back to in, in a few minutes. In terms of the production in itself, like yeah the, the the constant same sound really started dragging down the album like you said christian around maybe after you know 21 33 by the time you get past those tracks everything just kind of sounds the same um until you get to the final two songs which like i want to talk about wishing for hero in a moment adam what do you think uh since, since we're on the production and I, I think it's such a big point for this album uh i just want to say in, in the positive some of these beats do a great job of setting a deep cinematic tone that can really like draw you in but at the same time when you take it you have this had like 30 different producers on it mike will made it murder beats mustard take keith like there are so many great producers on this and yet you're getting these lackluster i've heard better projects from local artists who are mixing this in fruit loops in their house you know so it really it took me off in that sense i there was one part that i did enjoy on no matter what there's a a piano riff that's taken from the old song a thousand miles everyone knows that i thought that was like a fun idea i don't know who who did that one but other than that that's honestly the best i can do they really dropped the ball on this and this is a columbia released album this is a professional piece of work and it's oh it's so so disappointing unfortunately yeah i I have to agree with you adam it is hard to find like that quality production in this album but there there was something that really caught my attention i thought it was pretty funny too i I wasn't sure but off the track be something uh with little baby is that a harp that i hear in the background like it just (laughs) right away i swear to god it caught it caught my attention and for some reason it was a calm almost peaceful intro it was kind of enjoyable i'm it's a little odd but i i I do have to say it was it was special 
Yeah, on B something, actually. So I was listening to this driving in the car on Sunday. I don't know if it was the just the maybe the speakers, the the car speakers I was listening to, but I could barely hear the little baby verse. And like I was listening to it yesterday on my Beats headphones, and it's it still sounds a little bit in the back there. So that's really weird that the mixing was just so off on that little baby stuff. Just to jump in, I'll I'll give you my my final thoughts on this album. I think uh, Polo is a promising young artist with a bright future ahead of him. I would like to see him more develop his rapping side. I feel like he tends to go more melodic and that ends up being, it just doesn't work for all these things that he's, the way he's trying to express himself. So I'd like to see him develop a, an ability to decide when it works better to be a rapper versus a, a singer, I guess. I think he has a bright future nonetheless. Again, a young artist making it out. It's his second studio project. I, I think there's more to come. Uh, Jordan, you wanted to touch base on uh, Wishing for a Hero. What I, I wanted to point out was actually um, the only thing I could think about when I heard this song was uh, Changes of from, course, uh, yeah. from Tupac. There was like, nothing else that came back to mind. It was nostalgic, actually. It grabbed my attention from the get-go. Yeah, I will say, like, hearing the beat, I was a little conflicted because, like, the moment you hear the, the, the start of the beat, you're like, okay, I know exactly what song we're getting. That said, I did think that, like, this song finishing the album really boosted the ending. I think I think it's the best song on the album. I think a kind of like a, a more socially politically charged record really suits Polo G well in similar way uh, that the bigger picture, the song released by Lil Baby about a month and a half ago, really changed my opinion of him. Not that I had uh, a negative opinion of Polo G coming into this album. Actually, I, I I quite enjoy his music, but a song like this where he's not just talking about things that have happened to him and his friends and his family. But something with a, a bigger picture on it really, it re- I think it really improved my opinion of him. I'm not against uh, seeing what else Polo G has to offer. In fact, I might have been a little bit harsh from the beginning. I did return to his previous album, uh, Dial Legend, and I enjoyed listening to Pop Out, which was probably my favorite song on the album. And because of that, I kind of decided to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see where this goes. I do believe he could develop something even better in the future. And like Adam had said, maybe kind of differentiate when it's time to be a singer and a rapper. Agreed. Yeah, I think so. Just for wishing for a hero, and there's two lines here that I just absolutely love. There is, I mean, again, loved maybe is the wrong word, but it, I find they're just so hard hitting. And part of the bland production usually kind of hides these incredible lines. So, I mean, on on no matter what, so I'll get back to wishing for her in a second, but on no matter what, which again, like you're halfway through the album at this point, all the beats are starting to sound the same. But he has this line where he says, but my homies died young and that wasn't part of the plan. Flying on these planes, I wish I could reach and touch your hand. Yeah, I find that's a really touching line. But the fact that it's, you know, 20 minutes into an album where for the majority of their songs, they all kind of sound the same. It, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And then in, again, wishing for a hero where, He's not only rapping on a different sounding beat, but he kind of he also speeds up his tempo. He has two lines here, which I absolutely love. One was, we die young, so I can't picture an older me. And then another one where he says, they killed Martin for dreaming, and now I can't sleep. That was a great line. I think these are amazing lines. Very true. And I, I think especially the, for the fact that, like, honestly, I could have quoted the entire Wishing for a Hero verse. And I think part of it is because it's a different beat, different sounding beat. It's a different tempo for him. And it's a different subject matter for him that it just it's it's so brand new, this sound that part of it is it just catches my ear a lot more. And I think also he just because it's such a fresh territory for him, he just sounded so much better and refreshed. Again, 
I generally enjoyed the album. I think he's a talented artist. I think the fact that he doesn't use any autotune except for I think on Relentless is the only song he used autotune. That's honestly that's really impressive for me considering he's one of these up and coming guys. So I generally I have a positive outlook on what's happening with Polo G and songs like Wishing for a Hero really make me interested in what he's going to do next. So I have a general question for you guys. If we were to take a look at this album in the matter that Jordan did and said he would have this lyrical prowess midway through and just get lost in the album and all these amazing producers featured on it as well. What if there were less songs do you think that the quality of the album would have been better from the get-go would it have been just you know more fulfilling to listen to because i can definitely say that if he had removed maybe four tracks five tracks on this album it probably would have you know hit the ear a little bit better yeah i think most artists that these days you can how do you make an album better well let's just take out four songs like i think that's not that it's it's an obvious thing i mean if it was obvious everyone would be doing it but I think part of it is streaming has affected it. And also, I don't know how it works. When you get when you get a beat from from Murder Beats or you get a beat from Mike Will, I think you probably want to use it. But yeah, I, I definitely do think. I think the monotony of the record, if you take out the songs that all sound the same. So if you take out, I don't know, I would take out maybe 33. I would definitely take out Chinatown, maybe Beautiful Pain as well. So something like that. If you take out some of those songs, I think it would, yeah, I think it would definitely pop out a little bit more. Yeah, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head as far as the streaming portion as to why albums get as big as they do. I think there is no better example than Chris Brown in this territory. Oh, yeah. 40 song albums just to be chart topping. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, if they were going to do anything this album, I, I can agree some 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 fat can be trimmed off of this album. There's a lot of redundancies, a lot of the same things said multiple times. But I think the like if they were going to do anything, I just wish they would redo the production, do it properly, get it remastered. I don't know what it was. It just sounds it's deplorable and it's easily my my biggest gripe with this album. We're going to change the trend. We're going to go from no more deluxe albums. Now time for Redux albums. Ooh. All right. So that'll do it for this week. We'll be back next week with part one of our two part year in review series. Until then, have a good one.